Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Bridget is the founder of Gemini Media, host of Real Things Living podcast, author, a health advocate, and focuses on delivering the best solutions to her clients. She's an accomplished business professional in the communications, publishing, and print management industry. Bridget, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Andrea. I'm so glad to be here. have the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, me too. So... We got that short bio, but um, tell us a little bit about you and your cancer journey. Well, my journey, um, well, cancer doesn't run, it's not in my family, right? right? And I do all the right things and I still got it. <laughs> and they um, call me a zebra among horses because I, because of that, I stand out. Wow. I, I first got diagnosed uh, with breast cancer in uh, 2006. And so my sons were like eight and 11 years old at the time. And then that was unexpected. I, my, you know, I was, I had an MRI, not MRI, I'm sorry, <laughs> mammogram before I turned 40. And then I, after I was 40, that's when we had the follow-up and I found something kind of weird. They discovered, um, um, DCIS, right. And which is ductal cancer in situ. Some people don't consider that stage one or anything, but mine was aggressive. They did a test on it. It was aggressive. I'm like, okay. So I had a, um, a lumpectomy and they did, uh, mul- I saw multiple people did some radiation treatment. So it's a little unusual to have um, a mammogram that early. Was there any reason to have a mammogram? Well, my uh, OBGYN recommended it because she had breast cancer unexpectedly, right? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, she did. And hers was stage three when she found it. So I trust her. You know, she she delivered both my sons and we just have a good relationship. So she just recommended, let's have a baseline. So okay. I think I was like 39. I had a baseline. Well, then two years later, I had DCIS and it doesn't, some people don't do anything with that, but mine, but like I said, when they did a little lumpectomy, it came back as aggressive. And there's, people don't realize there's so many different types of breast cancer. Yeah. It's like over 30 different types. And it doesn't run in, in my family. And so, and I did all the right things. And so what I ended up doing, you know, following the protocol, I didn't take any medication. Um, I think they tried to they offered uh, like tamoxifen or something like that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't handle that. I thought I was on fire, right? And <laughs> really? well, can you describe that for people a little more? What does that mean that you thought you were tamoxifen on fire? Tamoxifen is supposed to help reduce, try to lower your estrogen levels. And at the time, I was in my early forties, and I didn't like it mm-hmm. um, because it, I was constantly sweating. <laughs> so, oh, did it just throw you into menopause? It, well, no, not then. No, okay. it 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 was just lowering my estrogen levels, and what it turned out. I knew something was wrong with me. I kept like, something is not right with me. And I kept asking questions. I'm a pain in the butt, right? I kept asking questions. And then it came back like three years after that, I, I thought I was pregnant. It's like, this isn't right. I'm 44. 
right? Possible. (laughs) Like, this is not cool. But my, you know, anyway, so my OBGYN, she did some blood work and and to as part of the pregnancy test, and it was negative. And they discovered I'd had really high prolactin levels. And prolactin is what produces breast milk. Okay. And I kept saying, what, what the hell's causing this? Right. So they put me on, uh, I don't even remember what it was. They help help some kind of drug to help reduce, uh, reduce the prolactin levels. But they didn't know what was causing it. We didn't know at the time. I was like, something is not, I kept saying something is not right with me. Something is not right with me. And one of the doctors I met with, the epidemiologist, he asked me if I smoked pot. I was like, what? Apparently that, I don't, but that can cause high prolactin levels. And I did not know that. You know, it wasn't getting any better on the, and so my breast cancer doctor, he recommended I have an MRI of my brain because your prolactin levels are um, created by your pituitary, which is in your brain. Right. Okay. I had a tiny tumor on my pituitary, which was uh, related to that. But then I had a big tumor, (laughs) another, I should say big medium, which is two and a half centimeters, which is pretty big. So that was the root cause of stuff. (sighs) Right. And I didn't know I had this. And so thank God. Any other symptoms? I mean, any? No, I was, uh, your body slowly acclimates to that if that makes sense to something growing like it's really it grows really slow it's primary which means it starts in the brain it's called an acoustic neuroma and some people call it a vestibular schwannoma because mine is actually growing on the vestibular nerve okay which is your balance nerve sometimes i was a little dizzy but my body adjusted to it so we discovered that that was kind of wow. you know two little brain t- one, one was tiny but that pressure from the bigger one was pushing on my pituitary. That makes sense. Yeah, it I'm does. so glad I was a pain in the butt and asked questions. And then we had to go treat that. And I saw like six different specialists because people here, or the doctors here, I live in Atlanta, they didn't know what to do because it's very rare, kind of the big one, the rare brain tumor. So how many and specialists did you see? Six. Six. Okay. Are people listening? Six. Because they're all, they're all like, ah, you know, I don't know. I'm like, well, that makes me feel great. One of the doctors shocked me. He was like, well, we're just going to radiate your brain. I said, excuse me. And (laughs) no, you're not. And the one doctor recommended surgery right away. The, um, The downside, the risk of surgery for that kind of tumor was I could be paralyzed in my face because it does push on your facial nerve and hearing nerve and at the same time my prolactin levels weren't lowering right because we had to do something so the doctor I went to Northwestern University in Chicago he, this doctor specialized in this kind of tumor and so he made me feel better and he gave recommendations and he said even though it's pushing on my brain stem it wasn't growing on the brain stem oh good so he uh, recommended this you know, targeted radiation. There's different types of that. So I was lucky when they found my brain tumor, which was 11 years ago. It was technology has helped a lot. So I chose a method called CyberKnife. Oh, I've heard of that. Okay, but explain to people who don't know what it is. CyberKnife is very targeted to like a tumor or a small area, depending on how big it is. um, You have to have so many doses, if that's the right 
sense. There's another one called Gamma Knife. I did see a doctor about that, and that scared me because you had, it would have to be hanging from a vice, like, I don't know how many, like four hours straight, and the thought of that was terrifying, whereas a cyber knife is broken up into like, was into three treatments, okay. rather rather than one, you know, this the thought, and that's too much radiation at the same time, even though it was targeted, it's just something about it. My instinct said no, and that's why I, you know, sought out different sources. So I went that route, and the cyber knife, you usually have to, depending on what part of your body, it's, it was created for brain, brain tumors and spine tumors, spinal tumors. And I think it now it's progressed to like, you can do it for breast cancer now even, right? Wow. So I joke that I glow in the dark between the radiation to my chest and my brain, but um, I had, they had to create a, um, when you're having that targeted radiation to your brain, you gotta be still, you can't move. And so they created a, um, a mask, a, a mold, so they can like, when I lay on a table, they had to like bolt me down with that. I had to take some, um, I don't take drugs, but I had to take something of, of value. <laughs> I got to lay here. To relax like, you, right? I mean, just you have to, to be, because yeah. it was ex very stressful, even wow. though, right. And so I took, a, it was three days in a row. It was an hour each time. So they had some nice, good music, chilling, not music that I'm going to move to. It had to be relaxing music. So you're in a spa. It's just a right, spa. I was in a spa. <laughs> it was like, right, zapping my brain. No, but it was targeted and it was, it was fine. It, that experience was better actually than the radiation to my chest, which was every day. I had like 20 treatments. Oh my that was horrible experience. Over time, I've had to, in the beginning, I was having MRIs every six months to see how that affected it. And it did shrink my, t my tumor. In the beginning, it swelled just a little bit, you know, from the, um, from having the radiation touch it, but it, it, um, some people say you should have had the surgery, but there's so much risk involved with that, but it shrunk and I'm feeling fine. The only side effect was I have some hearing loss because it would create, it created some scar tissue on my hearing nerve, but I'm not paralyzed. Yeah. I, I, in case people are listening and now watching, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at you. You're not paralyzed not par because that's, that's one of the, that's why back in the day they didn't know. And they, and they, I might have, okay. So then I asked more questions. Where does this come from? How does it cause? And it, they believe, um, that particular tumor was caused by some type of radiation exposure when I was young and I, w I was a military brat and I lived on military bases. Me too. People don't realize how much your, the, our military, the families even, you're exposed to more things. And I am, um, anyway, so I'm all better with that. And then um, 2000, I'm sorry, in 14, my breast cancer came back. And so what was going on is it, we, even though we shrunk the brain tumor, we couldn't still control my uh, prolactin. It was still kind of going wacky, right? It was still, it wasn't like um, dangerous level, but it, even though the target radiation affected the acoustic neuroma, the pituitary you had to be careful with, right? And it also increased my, um, what is it? The growth hormone? When you have yeah. a high growth hormone level, it can make your cancer, uh, affects cancer levels too, and estrogen. So anyway, so I'm like, okay, what do we do now? Okay, this is like fun. And um, met with some more people. And so what I was worried about having, you know, the different treatment options 
if I ended up doing chemo, what would it do to the brain tumor? I was so worried about that because there's so much right. unknown about it. And we were, I called it the monster, waking up the monster. And long story short, we ended up doing, I had the double mastectomy because it was just my breast cancer again. This time it was closer to my, um, my armpit. And I thought it was a lymph node, but I learned that you have also a breast tail, right? And that's kind of what happened. And so they tested a lymph node on each side. And I just thought, I don't want to ever deal with this again. That's why let's do the double mastectomy. And it found out I, it was aggressive, right? It was very aggressive. We did look at different options and they did an oncotype, what's called the, um, the genetic test on the tumor that they took. Right. It wasn't very big, but it was big enough to, I think I was considered stage one, but I had to proceed with something else because it's all, you know, un, you know, all connected with this brain tumor and the high prolactin level. So we, I decided to go with chemo Okay. and that was a tough decision to make, but my kids at the time, they were like, um, 16 and 19 then. And so yeah, I just wanted to be there for my sons to graduate. Right. And that, that was the motivator for me. And then the chemo was, was okay. Worked fine. It actually, um, my brain tumor or my prolactin levels normalized. Isn't that weird? Wow. It's everything is all normal now. And then the year later after that, my, um, I got a Tdap, which is a tetanus booster shot that also helped too. help stop the, uh, that's something that people don't know that I, my doctor recommended. They've been testing that vaccine of people with brain tumors too. And the it tetanus is, shot? Yes, a Tdap, right? Huh. Booster. So that's why I agreed, like, yeah, whatever, you know, because a year after the chemo, my, you know, it did my prolactin levels were still high, but the Tdap and all this stuff, everything is back to normal. I haven't taken any kind of drug, and and tamoxifen was recommended again. However, it would only be three percent effective if I didn't. I mean, excuse me, only after the chemo. The chemo would only reduces my my chances of getting it. 50%. So I ate really well. I did all this health coach certification to help me understand, even though I did everything right, what, why is this happening? But it helped me. To, and they were really surprised at how well I healed during all this because I was following a certain regimen. And I also saw a, a doctor who specialized in nutrition and tested me for certain things. And we found out that I have a case in protein allergy. What does that mean for it's uh it's for milk, it's part of dairy, the protein in dairy. You have casein and, and whey protein, and like casein is the chunk in cottage cheese, and so that takes a while for your stomach to um digest that. And that's why if I ate it, I wouldn't know I and I've always had allergy problems, right? But but that's really what it is. It's my environment. No one in my family has had, you know, um cancer or this kind of brain tumor, and so it's not genetic. I was tested genetically for breast cancer and for this brain tumor it's not in most cancers aren't genetic that's what right and that's what they tested me like yeah whatever and then they told me because i'm part eight i'm part my grandmother's vietnamese she was saying well the tests won't be very accurate because of that i'm like well why don't you test the i mean asian people to keep right so that's why we need we have so many problems in our i mean our healthcare issue i had to be the fighter to find the solution you know what i'm saying i had to stand up and it's because my my sons and my family were my motivator it's well known that people do all this research but they're not 
connecting the information with each other. I know. Let me ask you something about your sons. Yeah. Do they remember that first time because they were pretty young? Do they remember? Yes, they do. And they were worried about mom, right? And I tried to be brave. I remember my older son, I remember him crying about it, like my mom's going to die because that's what you think. Having that radiation made me tired. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. I could could probably tell mom's not, I'm a runner. And so that was really hard on me. That drove me crazy. That was the, you know, something I wanted to do after it was over. I'm so in my brain, I'm like, oh, I can still do this. I couldn't run properly (laughs) afterwards. I wasn't giving my body enough time, but you know, in your brain, you think you can do it. So, but they were okay. I was just really positive around them. I never complained around them. But when they heard mom is getting all this stuff done, they're thinking mom's going to die. Oh, goodness. What was it like for your husband? He's been very um, supportive and he's, um, what's the word? Thank God. I'm going to cry. Thank God for him. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. But he comes to all these, he's had to come to all these doctor's appointments with me because you can't hear if you have, if you've ever had cancer, when you're hearing all this stuff, you're like, what, you know, <laughs> you're only hearing out the information and processing it. And he's gone to a lot of the meetings. I've had one of my friends come with me to the, like she flew with me to Chicago to see that one specialist. Cause I'm like, my husband couldn't do it. Cause our kids are younger that, you know, you get to yeah. deal with this. And she was there with me to hear everything because I'm like, I can't hear. Yeah. You know, you know, we always recommend recording now too, because you've got your phone, right. you've got to record on your phone, record it. Back then, right. We didn't have that kind of technology. Right. And so that's, you know, it would be, you're right. And she was able to ask questions that I didn't think of. And my husband's able to ask questions that I don't think of. And, but, and I do that. That's why I'm, I consider myself a health advocate. I'll go and help other people and go in with them because I know what to ask or listening if it's, if it's not my body, but be, it's just very helpful to have that support there. Oh yeah. Yeah. You have support. to, you have to have. do it alone, even though I think I'm, I can, but I can't. <laughs> I don't think anybody can do it alone. No. Yeah. yeah it's too hard. Right. What was your before and after moment? And, and I'll give you an example. What I mean by that is for me, with, with my sister, who, who was the cancer patient, and I was the caregiver, I was her legal guardian, you know, in my mind, there's this very sort of black and white moment, even though I don't think life really works that way, but there is this very black and white moment that on Wednesday, May 16th, 2001, at nine o'clock is when the ER doctor told us that she had tumors in her liver and lungs the oh. day before she was fine, and everything in my head is before cancer and after cancer. Before cancer, two days before, we were shopping for folders because she wanted to reorganize her schoolwork, and she bought black eyeliner, you know? Right, And then after cancer, you know, we were, you know, sent immediately to Children's Hospital Los Angeles, and she had a biopsy within two days. I mean, it was was so fast. And so did you have or experience any sort of before and after moment? Before... I was so focused on business, you know, I'm making money. I'll be honest with you, because I was an adult and uh, I had kids to take care of and I was doing well. What did you do? Well, I was, um, I was business development manager and to deal with a lot of clients, which, and, and which is fun. And I enjoyed it, but I had to do a lot of traveling. I, a couple of times I had to go international, you know, international stuff. But I'm thinking 
the aftermath was like, oh my God, I need to be here for my family and not just making money. I mean, that's the, that's what you, that's what you, I'm, I'm a generation X, but I was raised by, you got to make money. You got to do this. You're a girl. And I was in a male dominated industry. So I'm very competitive. <laughs> I was part of it. Well, I'm going to do just as good as these guys, but I was in a different manner. People trusted me because, um, a little more authentic and, and tell the truth. Right. And I was told in the beginning, I think that's probably why I was competitive in a way. I was the girl. They told me I was too nice and I wasn't going to be successful. Who told you that? These men that I, you know, one of mine was a vice president of sales told me this stuff. I said, bye. Um, <laughs> I found another. So now I'm very fortunate. I've been working, you know, remotely. And then I didn't mention earlier my second t- cancer diagnosis that beginning of that year January 2014 my um son was a travel hockey player and he broke his shoulder oh and then and then the following week he was in Nashville and the following week I got laid off from a corporate job it wasn't just me it was a lot of people because it was a private equity firm buyout I'm like okay and then so I was looking for another role to play someplace else and then I got diagnosed with the breast cancer again. I'm like, okay, my cancer has my health and my family as a priority. And I put it to the, on the back burner. But then I had some clients who know me for a long time and they convinced me uh, to do my own thing. And that's why I was doing stuff with Gemini Media. And it kind of helped um, with the recovery process because you're you don't want to feel sorry for yourself and just worry about, you know, going through all this treatment. Now I wasn't doing the work during all the cancer treatment, but afterwards, um, I was, it just made me more, um, confident because yeah, that can yeah. really hurt your confidence being laid off. And then you have sure. cancer again and, but it did slow me down a little bit. So I look at it from that way. And I had my double mastectomy on my 49th birthday. I chose it on that day. You chose the day. Right. Be- well, be- it was around that time. I was just doing it on my birthday. It was so close. And I so saw why? It, a, a new beginning of life, right? I'm okay. going to go into my 50s and it's soon and I'll be different. And um, I mean, I'm the same really, but I'm just more, um, just definitely more focused on helping others now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Good advice. And it was my son, my older son, who convinced me to even start blogging 10 years ago. Really? Yes. And I'm like, because I've liked to write and I never, I was always helping people with their projects. So he's like, it was very um, cathartic, the right word, to write. I always wrote in a journal. He says, tell everybody what you're doing. He's from that generation where they're like, sure, everything. Okay. So I did. And so that, that was really helpful. And so I'm very more, I'm a lot more open about stuff now, if that makes sense. Um, and not, um, trying to act like everything's perfect anymore. That's too hard, right? It's it's too hard. What was your worst moment? And pick any cancer journey because you've had three. So I've had three. My worst moment, I think, hearing the uh, second cancer diagnosis from the doctor in his office with my husband. Cause then everybody was like, Oh shit. Jimmy, excuse me. 
she's got this brain tumor again, right? And so that's kind of, they didn't know what to do. And so I'm like, oh, I mean, that was just like, I, I couldn't think when I heard that. And I was just like, uh-huh. That's, again, thankfully my husband was with me. But that was really difficult here because they're like, the treatment, we had to be really careful because uh, it's just, no matter which route I chose, it would be a little risky and it's worked out for me. A lot of times I look at the options and I, sometimes you have to end up going with your instinct. I know that some people don't, you know, but you have to. I agree. No, and, I, and, and that was the hard, probably just hearing that because like crap, right? Not again. <laughs> That's really what it was. And it, and, and we didn't know, like I said, if it had metastasized. And it did not, thankfully. What about your best moment? Probably um, writing uh, my book, my first book. I wrote it after the uh, the second cancer diagnosis, and I gave it out to people who who had cancer, and that to the to the cancer center that I went to. That they were just so happy to get that. And when, so when I find out um, someone has cancer, like per, you know, I'll give them a copy of the book because it's very. I wrote it to be inspiring, to just just try to up, you know, be uplifted. And that's kind of what, that was very uh, good to do as well. So how do you, you kind of touched on this, but how do you look at your life differently now, having gone through three separate um, cancer experiences than you did before that first one? Um, how I look at differently now, um, I, I want to make sure I keep learning. I like to do that because I like to keep my brain. I mean, seriously, I worry about <laughs> having that targeted radiation, I just want to make sure my brain is functioning properly. And as we age, part of it is I'm in my fifties now. And I just want to, I just want to stay active and be engaged with the community more than I was because before I was so focused, I got to meet that sales quota. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of what it was. And so now no, I'm going to try to make more of a, an impact and help those and to, to see that there is, um, do we have hope? There's so much, especially with what's going on now, people are so, down and I, I see anxiety has increased. Yeah. You know, and I, I make sure I'm running all the time. That was the best thing ever. I guess I should have mentioned that. Best thing ever was um, one of the best moments was my son's running with me a 5K because I love to run before the cancer treatment. And Aww. right, they ran with me and they slowed down to keep my pace because at the time they were, like I said, 16 and 19. <laughs> so they're male and they're really fast runners. So, um, so that, that was another great moment. So I'm just uh-huh. love it. I mean, I'm not out there to go win all these races. It just makes me feel better. And, and that's really what I just make sure I make time for that. that so you still sense? run now? Oh yeah, I do. Okay. I, I ran this morning. <laughs> oh, that's like, great. It's, it depends on the day. Like today it was hot as you know what here. So I only uh-huh. ran like two miles. I just, no, it's just the humidity is seems to be worse this year for some reason. Yeah, that's a so people know that you live in Atlanta. I live in Birmingham, so we're kind of having the same weather right now. Right. And at eight o'clock this morning, it was over eighty degrees already. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't walk my dog. It was too hot. Right. And I I walked. That's what it was. I I warmed up by walking one of my dogs first, and then am I okay? Then I go. I need that warm up, and then after two miles, I'm like okay, I've had enough. I'm not like speed running. It's just like, it was just, I'm in the trail. Part of it's in the trails by my house. Um, we live by Lake Altoona and, um, which is helpful. But then part of it, you got to be in the neighborhood street. And I was like, it's just too much. And so yeah. that, that's why I chose. I, I'm doing it right. It's just, 
just helps make you say it. And it's just good for your lungs too, to be honest with you. Yep. So what is the one thing, Bridget, you wish you had known at the very beginning of that very first cancer journey? I wish I had known to do better homework on that radiation to my chest. Really? Okay. Because it has caught, I don't have, it had caused a lot of scar tissue, meaning it's pulled my, um, it's been about 16 or I don't know how many years it was. No, 14 years ago. So it makes everything tighter here. Even, it's hard to explain. One of the doctors recommended to go add, after the lumpectomy and the radiation, to add a little tiny implant to stretch the skin. I wish I had done that. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I mean, mean, that's what you just, I didn't know any better, right? And I thought, I don't want another stupid medical procedure. And I wished I had listened to that. And back then I wasn't getting, I wasn't asking as many questions. How's that? Well, I don't think you know which questions to ask. Right. right. I'm like, this is, and it doesn't run in my family. It's like you said, it's not genetic. And, and it's, it's all really, we didn't know that I had this brain tumor growing at the same time, but you don't want to unnecessarily, you know, I didn't know, you, you know, that kind of brain tumor even existed, but I wished I had listened to that doctor and had a tiny little to stretch the skin. And so what it has done it's made my skin even tighter because it's so much. And then the mastectomy, this, then they had a mastectomy. So you imagine all the scar tissue you got. So as I've aged, it's made my, like my shoulder tighter. Okay. And, but I've learned to gotten into yoga as a, as, as a runner, you need that anyway. So certain stretches, things like that. So that's what I recommend. And, and back then though, the radiation was different right? Technology has, for healthcare, has improved dramatically. Yeah, I know one um, friend of mine, she's had breast cancer twice, but it was caused by the radiation that she got from Hodgkin's lymphoma from, like, you know, she was first diagnosed early 90s. Right. And, and and, you know, and they even told her then, they said, you know, to get rid of your lymphoma, we're going to have to give you radiation, and it's just going to blast your whole body, and you might end up getting another cancer down the line and she did right yeah and she did right and that's what you don't know and I if they told me that I don't remember hearing that you know what I'm saying and and it was I believed them now I wouldn't have done it if it was on the left side the left side is could you know it could damage your heart mine was on the right side that's why I was more open to it but at the same it didn't damage my lungs or anything they I only went that route because like they were doing testing the lumpectomy Actually, I had a two because I had to, I didn't have clear margins. I don't know if people are familiar with that. Um, you have to have like I think sent three centimeters to be clear of cancer, and the first lumpectomy was not clear. I didn't have, so I had to go do it again, and that's when they said because it is aggressive, I needed the recommended radiation, not chemo. And um, I don't really remember. The, uh, how strong it was. I just don't know. Well, I think it's interesting about that procedure. I'm going to make sure that um, we include that in the breast cancer course because I've never heard anyone talk about that procedure to stretch your skin. Right. I didn't either. And so, but I ignored him. You know, I, you know, I'm just saying I, what was funny, I have to tell you a really funny story. When I, when the, he was a plastic surgeon that the, my, our breast cancer doctor referred me to, so my husband sure. came with me. So he, the plastic surgeon is somebody that can do that. So he walked in and I had to take, you know, take off your, my top and show him. 
this is before the radiation, but I had, he goes, he goes, wow, those are some really nice ones. And so my husband said, my husband <laughs> asked him to leave a tip on the way out <laughs> to leave us. Oh my God. Oh. Make a joke about it. Yeah, you do. So, but my, yeah, they are. And that's why, so I didn't have the radiation yet, but they, they're telling us all this stuff, but we didn't, you know, you, I recommend stretching your skin. Um, that would have helped me, but you know, back in, and then, you know, 2014, my skin was so tight. They had a really hard time doing any kind of, um, implant because my skin is so tight. So I joke yeah. that I have like, um, a facelift on my, I mean, I just, have to, <laughs> I have to joke about it. Because <laughs> oh my God. You're so funny. Um, you have, I mean, that's how I, humor helps a lot too, by the way. It you does. Have, right. It, yeah. I agree. Just, life is insane. Well, I think, you know, you just made a good point. It's also about knowing your body because my, um, my dad had open heart surgery. It's been almost a year. He thought it was going to be, he thought he was going to get stents. He wakes up and they said, oh no, you're like, it's way worse. So we're going to put you back to sleep tomorrow morning and you're getting a triple by bypass. Wow. So, and, and he really didn't ex expect that. And, and he's very, we joked in the hospital that he was, no one thought he was a heart patient because he didn't look like the typical heart patient because he was in shape, but he's a small person and he right. has very thin skin too. And, um, he is going back probably just for surgery at the time of this recording in the next couple of weeks, because his ribs never closed up properly. His oh, ribs wow. are still a few inches apart and he's been in so much pain and, Good. and he, he's blamed the surgeon. He's blamed the cardiologist, but I just said, you're a small person person and you have very thin skin you gotta I said you gotta remember they're not used to operating on someone as small as you right you know, as thin as you and I said I just don't think your body liked the it's not that the surgery went poorly it's that you know his body didn't heal really well after the surgery right and it takes time as you're older I mean it does take a little bit of time as you're yeah and he's in his 70s so right and that's part of it part of it probably is just taking yeah. a little bit longer and and it's right. You've got to listen to your body. And I also, you know, it's important no matter if you're diet, especially if you get two, I think you should get two opinions. And if those two yes. opinions don't match, get a third. Yes. Right. And I had to do that recently with my mother, right? She had a, um, early stage breast cancer recently with all this, but hers was from taking, they had her take hormone replacement therapy. Okay. For, for like 10 years. So caught up to her, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And their first doctor wanted to do this drastic, crazy stuff just because of her daughter. What my experience was, I said, but mine, everybody's sir, everybody's reasons for getting it is so different, mom. Yeah. So I asked her to get a second opinion and that doctor's like, this is, you know, the tiniest little thing. She just needed a lumpectomy. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. the other doctor wanted to do this extreme stuff. So these two doctors, um, didn't agree. So she went and got a third. And so the two oncologists agreed, you don't need this major, just the lump back to me. So that's just a, an example, just because her daughter got it is for different reasons. It's not a genetic thing. And there's, and that's why I did a lot of homework, try to find lifestyle changes for me to make. And it probably didn't help over back in the day, I was eating a lot of dairy and I didn't, you know, that you know, my immune system was constantly trying to fix that. And so yeah. the cancer's like, Hey, this is fun. Let's go. You know, seriously. I mean, some people, no, I know. 
some people might not believe that, but I think it's true. My body was trying to focus. I mean, I was eating a lot Your of body cheese. was inflamed. It's inflamed constantly. Yeah. So that's an opportunity for cancer or whatever to, to take over. And, but I never knew I had, you know, but I really think that I'm not saying it's the root cause, but it didn't help. I, I made some, a lot of lifestyle changes and people were like, I can't believe you can't eat, don't eat dairy. I said, but it's not worth the risk for me after what I've been through. I, I'm going to connect you to someone after our, our interview. I think you'll really like him. Oh, cool. um, he, yeah, he, he talks about this inflammation. He's an expert and it's really fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's fairly, it's a, uh, it's a critical thing to people don't realize that they're doing that to their bodies and, and it's, you know, unknowingly sometimes. And yeah. I think most of the time. Right. I don't, I don't. Right. And, and right. I never felt bad, but then like four hours later I'd eat cheese. I'm like, why are my sinuses messed up? And I went to, doctors to find out what you know all my allergy tests were negative but they weren't testing me for food i think now they're doing that um yeah. and i think it, a lot of it is to do i'm going down a rabbit hole here but our <laughs> there are our cows in the u.s they're genetic you know a lot of gmo in that um my family my mother's side is french when i've had dairy in france i ha i don't have this problem because they're it's the um type of cows that we're getting well, our, they get hormones too here yeah, yeah right it's it's worse here in the u.s for some reason i don't it's a, a um a lot of people are into the um the food you know the food uh or is it the brown cows are better they they say to have the i forgot what it's called a jersey cow i think oh, i don't know <laughs> i'm going down a rabbit hole there i learned about all this stuff um you know, when I did that health coach certification, so I wanted to make sure I was doing the right thing. I know a woman who her entire, like her entire childhood, teenage years, she was always extremely hoarse, always had a sore throat, just kind of just didn't, she was a sickly kind of kid. And I believe her parents were Christian scientists, so they didn't believe in any sort of medicine at all. Uh -huh. Right. And don't go to the doctor for anything. And it wasn't until she was an adult and, and met sort of this alternative healer, um, but who was very based in nutrition um, and, and took a one look at her and said, you do not need to have any dairy whatsoever, none. Right. And of course, initially she thought he was crazy and then she started going back to him and trying to understand. And he said, you're just one of, you're, you're one of these people and this is why. And he said, and some people can tolerate a little he said, you, your body cannot tolerate any of it. And the minute she cut out dairy, all the issues she'd had disappeared. Now she's still sort of permanently hoarse because it had gone on for so long. Right. But I mean, and, and, and she does, I mean, people think she's some kind of chain smoker. <laughs> she's never smoked. Um, but all of her other problems, allergies, sinuses, feeling like she was always a little tired, a little sick, all of that disappeared. That's good. Right. And that's when I saw that, um, the guy, he's like a, a holistic nutritionist, but he's also an epidemiologist and he used to be a um, professor at uh, Life University. I know you're familiar with that. He was the one that did all these tests on me based on my background. What happened though is we didn't know at the time, we couldn't control my prolactin levels. That was something he, he you know, we were having a hard time doing because how do you control a, a brain tumor that started already? So that, that's yeah. why, but changing my diet has helped a lot. And it's one thing I noticed in the chemo pod when I had chemo, they were telling you to eat healthy beforehand, but they were giving people like sodas and, and, and cookies and 
so I came and I brought only an apple because I know you're you're tired um, during the after the chemo, so that's why people are probably craving sugar. So I I would always have water and an apple, and then that's another thing I would do. I would, later I would bring apples for everybody. I'm like, don't eat these. <laughs> don't Good for you. Right, it's just the right thing to do, being an example. I'm sorry my dogs are running around. <laughs> That's okay. They're part of it. Uh, she's got two big dogs for people who are listening and not watching. Right. Um, so you kind of segue beautifully into my next question. So if you could do only one thing to improve healthcare in the U.S., what would it be and why? Well, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I think to improve healthcare, I think we need to um, focus on what we eat. <laughs> That would be really helpful and um and also to move i'm really more that's i think that's why moving helps me a lot too and some people think if they exercise they're going to lose weight everybody's got different reasons for they're having health problems but i really think we should emphasize nutrition a lot more yeah i, I really truly do because that's what i think was the root cause of a lot of my 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 things and a lot of people my niece is really got a, she got a bad problem with IBD and she's only like we just this discovered she was like 12 but you know a lot of autoimmune diseases are, are cropping up too and I think it really truly does have to do with some of the food I think so I'm not going to say to be a vegan or, or anything um but I think you should try to eat definitely more plants <laughs> yeah and I'm I'm trying to grow more veggies myself at home I just think it's I don't, I don't know I just I'm just trying to be a good uh, earth citizen here, right? <laughs> yeah, I heard um, once, and you tell me if you agree with this or not, that, you know, because a lot of people just don't understand, and it's a lot to remember as far as ingredients and this and that, and one person told me uh, two different things that were funny. Um, when you were looking at packaging, like you're in the grocery store, um, yes. shop the perimeter, right? That's one, right? The perimeter, that's usually where the good food is on any grocery stores, the perimeter. Um, two, um, everything you buy must have less than five ingredients because the fresher right. it is, right? The fewer in the ingredients. And three, which is probably my favorite, um, if you can't pronounce every ingredient and what you're buying, then you probably shouldn't be buying it. Right. <laughs> because there's so many preservatives. You know. it's, that's one of the things I, think I wrote about once on my blog is like, if you have a, if it has a label on it, is it really food? <laughs> I mean, does that make sense? If, if yeah. Have, one thing I've seen as a positive outcome of this, I try to like the positive thing of this stay at home stuff that we've had going on. More people have been cooking at home. Um, I think that's good. And more people have been outside walking. So uh, to me, there's a, there's a correlation of that. And I, I don't know. I, I've always been someone who liked to cook. Oh, that's good. Um, I'm well, I'm I, I don't know why. I just something that I, I like to do. And I think part of it is I, I want to know what's going in the food. Maybe I, I, I know, even though I, even though not even just food, but like skin ingredients too, um, like parabens and things like that aren't good for you, um, can affect your hormones. And that's something that I learned in my health coach training to, to to make sure even stuff you're putting on your skin, what, how many ingredients are listed on that? Yeah. And a lot of it is, has to do with preservatives kind of in a way. I understand that aspect of it. I, as another thing you admit, you asked me earlier, but I don't really care about wearing makeup anymore. So <laughs> that's part of it. It's that makes sense. I mean, I just don't. She says not. this and she has these 
perfect high cheekbones. I just want right, to know. I don't wear any, I have acne. in my, anyway, I don't care, but, uh, it's perfect I high cheekbones. I, I didn't say that, but I've gotten more comfortable. You get, you get more comfortable with yourself when you're dealing with this. If that makes sense. And yeah, just eating better just makes you feel better and it will come across on your skin and People have asked me that. In my state of Georgia, though, I can't have a, um, I can't really advise people on nutrition because you have to have, it's a red, what is it, we're called a red state. I did not know this. You have to have like a, a degree in nutrition. I can't just because I'm certified in it. Yeah. So I can't. Are you serious? I'm serious. State of Georgia. <laughs> Whatever. Well, that's not going to stop you on no, this particular. I talk about it all the time, but Good. I just. I do. And, and, um, it just gives me, and if you eat right, you mentioned that your friend, you just give more energy. You're just okay. not, your body's not dragged down trying to recover from eating bad. That's the one area of my life. I always know I can improve because it's not like I eat junk, but I don't like to cook. And I think so. junk's okay. Sometimes I really don't, I think it's okay. It really is okay. You just don't do it constantly every day. And when I used to travel for work, I, after I found out I had the dairy allergy, I would actually lose weight when I would travel because because it's hard, right? Right. Everything yeah. has dairy in it. And so everything. That's why, right. Yes. And like, why? Why? Like some bread has dairy. Why would you put dairy in bread? I don't get that. So, yeah. um, so that's something I, the positive of um, reading the label, some people do elimination diets, you know, um, but I was one of those. I wanted to get to the point. I wanted to know. And that's why I was willing to pay somebody to test me, to help me. I was fortunate enough to have the money to be able to, you know, since some people don't. Yeah. But if you don't just elim do a, a elimination diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you ready for the Thriver rapid fire questions? I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> okay. All right. Beach, desert, or mountains? I have always preferred the mountains. Okay. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Uh, Rolling Stones because I like rock. <laughs> what is one word that best describes you? Uh, positive. <laughs> Last song you want to hear before you die? Ooh, Waiting for That Day. It's George Michael. <laughs> I love George Michael. Yes. Oh, love, love, love George Michael. Um, uh, okay. Um, last meal you want to eat before you die. We've been talking about food. Oh, well, it's going to have to be something with dark chocolate. <laughs> I love it. Last person you want to see before you die. My husband. Last words you will speak. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> all right. Um, and I know you have some great resources. So aside from Cancer U, um, tell us about the resources that you have for cancer patients and caregivers. Um, one is called sharecare.com. I'm not familiar with that. Okay. It's a platform. They're actually based here in Atlanta and you have a lot of specialists and like health coaches on there that provide their feedback and stories. Okay. And put it here to remind myself later, sharecare.com. Okay. And there's a, I can't remember the, um, the woman, oh, I'm so, I'm having a brain fart here, sorry, who does um, research on breast cancer. I can't think of her name. I'm so sorry. Uh, if you remember, help. email it to me. So I'll, I'll, I'll email it to you. Yeah. Right. I, I have to go Google it. Uh, <laughs> but, but tell us about your books, please. I, I have two books. My first one is called Real Things. 
and it was based on my experience after breast cancer. And a lot of it actually came up. I came up with the idea because there's a theme behind all those blog posts I did all these years. There's a theme behind there. It's about how to embrace life. That's really what real things is about. How to embrace life. The um, second book I wrote is called Expecting the Good. Inspiration from a Badass to the Big Heart. And that's based on my stepfather. He died unexpectedly. And but I didn't, we, he had such a great impact on everybody, not just us. And that was uh, something you just need to, uh, uh, again, appreciate. And he, he's probably one that made me look at things in a positive manner. Even He was like West Point military attache and special forces. He, but he always helped people in the right way and always tried to do the right thing. And, but looked how it can work out. In, in, in a good way, if that makes sense. And I, um, I started my Real Things Living podcast is kind of a off, right, it's kind of off based off the first book that I did, Real Things Living podcast. And it is about inspiring people in connection with others because when you connect with others, that's when you come up with ideas and solutions. And that connection gives you to really better overall health. That's how I look at it. And you don't want to isolate yourself. And that's why I think some people are having a hard time with this stay at home stuff. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, yeah. I, there we could go down a rabbit hole, but that's a whole yeah, exactly. other interview. <laughs> I did take a pause for about a month when this first started. Cause like, what do I do? No, got to keep going. You got to keep doing it. And a lot of people are really open to it. And we, and I'm like meeting you on, you know, talking on zoom and it's so helpful just to see and connect and yeah. it's really helpful. Bridget, thank you so much for sharing your story. It is incredible. And I just, I know so many people are going to get value out of it. I hope so. <laughs> they will. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.